So um, typically, we study through books of the Bible at a reasonable pace. Uh, some of you maybe been in churches where you studied like book by book, kind of like we do, and maybe it would take you know a year to go through Ephesians, and we we don't typically do that. We move a little bit faster, and um, but then uh, lately I've just been thinking about maybe it would be helpful to move through a book and then come back and say, um, how can we uh, apply this to an aspect of life? Certainly in Ephesians, uh, we read texts like Ephesians 6 and 1 where it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, but also um, there's sometimes times where I think it's hard for us to think about how do I put all this together uh, that I've just studied and, and, and how would it work out? in the life of a family as you're seeking um, to grow your children up, in the life of a congregation as we're trying to guide uh, a family to to guide their children in the ways of the Lord. And so today we are going to uh, work through that issue. We're just going to think about Ephesians and training kids. Uh, That's going to be the basic thing that we're going to be addressing this morning. Basically, we're saying, how can we apply what we have learned in Ephesians to the life of, like, to, to raising up a child uh, to, to walk with the Lord. Some of you may say, I don't have any children. Uh, I remember one time being in a singles class and uh, it got, came to a passage like 1 Corinthians 7 and some of the people in there were like, we're not married, this doesn't apply to us. I'm like, it's a singles class for crying out loud. It probably will someday potentially, you know, so kind of gather some information. Some of you say, well, our kids are already all out of the house. And, and you, you might say, that's fine. Maybe you would learn how to pray for more fervently for the people in this congregation. Uh, God may grant you to have grandchildren, and that might be a helpful thing that you can pray more fervently. That, that may be uh, the case for you. Uh, some of you may say, none of that applies to me. And I would say, well, hold on just a second. Raising children is discipleship. So what we're looking at today, you could probably write down these points and think, if I was going to disciple somebody, what do I need to keep in mind? What do I need to think about? And so hopefully all of those things will help you. And you might say, well, I'm not a disciple maker. And be like, well, then you're in disobedience. (laughs) Like, repent, you know. But it's just... We're all going to like gain understanding here, insights, and hopefully uh, it will be really helpful. Now, when I think of training someone uh, like a child, um, as, as I think about that, I think in terms of instruction and example. That's something that always comes to my mind. I instruct, and then I try to like set the example of that. The whole deal of somebody saying, "Well, don't do as I um, do, but do as I say," or however that goes, like. That's not cool. Like, in, it, it's not, the Apostle Paul, you know, he would teach wonderful things. And then there are passages where he'll say, imitate me or follow my example. And so sometimes what you need is uh, flesh and blood people around you that you can, like, see how they're doing that. It's just helpful. And so we need to kind of keep that in mind when you're thinking about training in general. I think that's helpful. Uh, the other thing is, is you are trying to set before your children a vision of God and his plans and purposes for us. You're laying out doctrine and then you are calling upon them to walk in that or to, to have good deeds. 
That's doctrine and deeds married together. Or, or, you know, it might be doctrine and life. Or however you want to say it, you are saying, I'm trying to set before them who he is. Sometimes I'm doing that in a very instructional way where I'm teaching, I'm sitting down and I'm teaching them. Other times I am walking through life and hopefully uh, they're catching stuff. I had a friend that said it this way. He said, uh, a lot more is caught than taught. And so what you're saying is, I'm going to teach those things that I can teach. I'm going to try to live it out. And those two things together, always working, as Andrew just said, in our, even in our failures, God is still working out things. We know that we do not do any of this stuff perfectly, but in that, it's just important to understand that that train, that train of thought, I think, needs to be a part of what we're doing. Now, from my understanding of Ephesians, and, and hopefully yours as you look at it and just read it clearly, uh, we might ask ourselves, like, let's say a child comes into the world, and I'm looking at this little baby, and I'm just like, I can't believe how much I love them, and they are, it's such a wonderful experience, but in my mind I know that they are born into this world with a spiritual condition. And that spiritual condition is that they are alienated from God. That they are by nature rebels against God. And that is going to flesh out in their life. We are not by nature like, we do not come into this world innocent, and we do not come into this world right we are in a place ephesians 2 1 through 3 and you are dead in your trespasses and sins then he was speaking to uh, older people you might say in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the air but it's showing that you were once by nature it says in verse 3 children of wrath like the rest of mankind so one of the things that just comes to me like when i'm thinking about my children is, I'm thinking in terms of they are not by nature uh, uh, God followers. They do not love him, cherish him. That's not, they, they, are, they, are, they, they, they experience uh, what happened to Adam, like it's, it's handed to them. So they are not, their nature is corrupted. And so I am coming to them understanding that and saying to myself, like, I've got to see the rebellion in their heart and help them see it. I, I just and so some children are going to be really rebellious in their as they get older. Like their their natural bent is just to run really hard toward away from what you say. And some are going to say, "Oh, I'm going to follow everything they say." But each every time that you think in terms of a child, you're thinking like whether they're really kind of like bent towards doing good all the time or bent towards being kind of rebellious, both of, of those things, if, if I don't help them see the sin in their heart, they're, they're not going to want the gospel. So I'm trying to help them understand where they are. So we, we could say the first thing is, is kind of understanding their spiritual condition, how they come into this world, and then we're told to kind of Raise our children in the Lord. Ephesians 6, 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. The idea here is, is just to understand 
Like, if, if children are to obey, somebody is to be telling them what they're supposed to be doing. That, that's the idea. Ch- children are not to run wild. Children are to be instructed in the way that they should go. Proverbs loads up like overwhelming evidence that a child is not by nature wise, but foolish. And so what you're trying to do as a parent is not only are we instructing them obey, obey, but we are giving instructions. We are giving instructions. They don't just kind of do it themselves. They're not just left to run wild. I mean, they can't. If you leave them to do what they want to do, it will not lead to good results. Just doesn't. And so, in Ephesians, with a biblical worldview, I understand they come here in a fallen condition. I understand that I am to instruct them in the right way. I understand I'm to encourage them to obey. And I'm to do what is necessary to help them fall in line because I want them to know the Lord. I want them to know that He is the authority. I want them to know that He is God and that He reigns over all and that they need to come to Him and they need to seek His ways. And the goal is not just to, for them to obey indeed, but also from the heart. So it's, you, you want them not just to obey their parents, but to honor them in their hearts. So you might be able to like strong arm them for a, a time, but there comes a time where that's just not going to happen. You want their hearts to be like, I want to honor, I want to honor my parents. Now, what does obedience look like? I would just say a couple of things, just try to help you think about that. First is, it's to guide them to believe the gospel. So you are kind of setting up for them, and that's one of the things we do in this service. We start with, here is God. The next move in the service is, we are sinners. The next move is, there's good news for sinners. That's what we say. God is holy, man is sinful, Christ is our Savior, right? And so one of the things that you're doing is one of the rhythms, one of the rhythms of your life is God is holy, you are sinful, Christ is Savior. And so as they stare at the magnificent like standards of God, they will be brokenhearted, but then they'll be crying out for mercy, and you will be there running to them with the message of the gospel over and over and over again. And you try to live that in ways that will demonstrate that. Second, I think just from as we've looked at, and we're going to look at a lot of passages here in Ephesians, you're to instill godly habits that will not only drive them to Christ like their need for him, but help them when, when, if they, it, when they come to faith to offer their lives back to Him. That, that's what you're setting habits that will say not only drive them to their need, 
but also once they have received the mercy of God in Christ, believing upon him, that they will then have established things in their life that will help them walk more faithfully with the Lord. They'll understand his ways. You will have set before them his ways. Ephesians 4, 2 demonstrates the attitudes that the church should have uh, with one another. You want to model that humility, gentleness, patience. Another, Ephesians 4.16 speaks of how the church in Ephesians 4, we see how the church is gifted, and then there are people that kind of help equip the, the church, and then the body functions with everyone with a heart of service acting that out. So you would want to not only say, we are servants here. We serve here. As a parent, you want to set before them humility. I'm not like pounding the church all the time because I'm smarter than everyone there and they all stink. And you also want to say, we get our hands dirty here. Dad and mom get their hands dirty here. They're active here. That, that really goes for everybody here where you're saying, the, the next generation, we want them to see us actively serving the body of Christ. It's important to us. It's the most important thing to us. We want them to see that. We want to set before them humility, gentleness, patience, and service. A heart of service. And that is a battle. There are times, every one of these, I, I would say, yeah, I can tell you how I battle with that. I could lay that out before you. My kids will know how their father and their mother battle with that. They're, they're going to see that. We're going to talk about that. But we want to, to set that before them. We want to set before them what Christ promised to build. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against this. We want them to see that we are arming ourselves up. We are a part of a body armed up. Walking out together. Going to war. We, we want them to see that. We want to see that demonstrated. So again, we say first, their condition is they are born by nature uh, in, the, in the fallen condition of Adam, they are in that place. We know that we have to continually remind ourselves of that, to see that for what it is, and then help them see that their only hope is in Christ. We also want to say, I'm going to set these habits in their life, these patterns that they'll see that will kind of prepare them or prepare their, their lives for uh, a repentance, faith, and obedience in Christ. One way we do that is our attitudes towards the church and our service in the church. Ephesians 4.25. If you were to sit and look at 4.25 through 5, um, probably 21 or so, you'll see a lot of different things. I'm just going to mention a, a couple. You want them to understand that falsehood is to be put away and instead they are to speak the truth. You're wanting to say to them, like, you're not going to lie to me. Like, there's times in my house where he's saying, no, you just lied to me. 
you, you did. Like, we don't lie in this house. You just lied to me. And, and so I'd have to, like, pull them aside and, 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 and discipline them. And say, you're not going to make a pattern of lying. You're going to speak the truth. The truth is the right way. The truth is the way to life. You're not going to do that. We want good for you. We want good things in your life. We want to develop good habits in your life. And telling the truth is something we do here. 428. They are not to steal, but instead to labor and do honest work with their hands so that they can share with someone in need. I do not plan on raising boys that do not want to get up and go to work. I I do not plan that. That's not in our uh, plan as a family. They are preparing now to begin to learn how to work hard at something. Sometimes they're not good at something. We've had that in our house recently. Say, I'm not sure I'm very good at that. And that's the best time to say, it's okay not to be good at something. Get up and get to work. Nobody gets good at something by not doing anything. You do not get good at something by sitting on the couch talking about it. Get up and get to work. Practice it. Practice it every day. Practice it this whole month. Get to work on that. God has given you this amazing uh, ability to be made in His image and to be a steward of that. It's important to me. You have a stewardship. Get to work. Be active. Push forward. You are not going to sit on the porch. You're going to get out there and move forward. You say, Jared, is that hard? Is that... No, we're just saying to them, like, and here's the thing, a life lived working hard is the place where life is. Like, not working is the road to death. Not moving forward and pushing yourself forward by the grace of God to the glory of God and the good of others, that's the road to death. That's the road to destruction. That does not produce joy in someone's heart or life. No one that sits on the sidelines ever could say that that's the place where there's the most joy. Get to work. God created you to do it. And again, it's not like you're going to say, well, do you do that perfectly? No. Do we live that out perfectly? No. Will we ever live that out perfectly? No. But that's the vision. I'm setting before them life. And and even in their like, I don't want to do that. You're saying, of course you don't. You, of course you don't. It is a war to focus and to move forward. And to, it's, it's a struggle. You are going to have to discipline your body to do it. Your head and your mind and your body is going to be saying No. You know, it's just, and so you're training in that way. Ephesians 4.31, they are to put away bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. It is a constant struggle in my home for someone to like abuse the other person. 
Like it happens all the time. Toys are stolen. People get knocked over and their heads busted and they're crying. And there's not always like this repentant heart. It's like, he deserved that. You know, I mean, <clears throat> and so you're working that out and you're saying, hold on just a second. We are not, we don't want to grow bitterness here. We don't want that soil in this house. We don't want that. And so you're saying, let's deal with that. How do we deal with that? There's a lot of confessing sin. There's a lot of receiving that and then embracing one another. It's a constant, it's like, this is a roller coaster in this house of that. It's a constant fight. But what are you establishing? We're establishing a way of life that is God-designed. A gospel-centered way of life where people understand that there's this way of living that we transgress that and that we all do that and that we confess that before one another, we forgive and we run back together and move forward. That's warfare. In case you're unaware, that's spiritual warfare in the life of a family where you're training your children to put on the armor. And it never lets up. It's, it never lets up. You keep moving forward. Ephesians 5.3 Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness is not to be named among them, but instead there's to walk in love, to learn how to love properly, to learn how to love your wife properly, to set before them what that looks like. Do you fail? Yes. Yes. Are you crying out for God's mercy? Yes. But what you're trying to set before them is not this greedy, false, corrupted idea of love, but a self-sacrificial Love. And that's a war and a battle, and it's not easy. And you go through these struggles in all different forms. You might ask yourself then, what does it look like in relationships? If we are setting before them what obedience looks like to the Lord, wives are to submit to their husbands, husbands are to love their wives, both of those in the Lord. You're setting before them an understanding of relationships. What's that supposed to look like? You're, you're praying that I will instruct them in it and model that. By the grace of God, to the glory of God, that you'll do that. What does that look like? Does it look like two adults, a man and a woman in a family where they're keeping score? Is that what that looks like? Where good standing with dad and good standing with mom is a justification by works. She measures up, I'll treat her this way. She does not measure up, I'll treat her this way. Is, is that... If he doesn't do what I say about this, I'll treat him this way. If she, you know, whatever that might be. You're not wanting to set that pattern. That, that's a, that is a false, it's a false teaching kind of, false living. That's what it is. It's, it's, it, 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 it's a false 
It's a false application of what you know about the gospel. And you don't want to set before your children's lies. You want to help them see the truth. You want them even to see the failure to obey the truth. Servants are to obey their masters. Masters are to stop threatening that whole kind of idea. And we said, best we can do with that is probably the workplace. And I, there are some people, you know, and, and myself included at, at times, I, I think, how do I, how do I, am I presenting work to them? How am I presenting to them life in that regard? To them? What, what is that looking like? It's, it's important that we understand that in a right way. It's, it's not, we cannot buy into, okay, Christianity, trusting in Jesus, the rest of life is living it in a totally, absolutely separated from that way. By the way, this is really trying to say, I'm seeking to help them walk in wisdom. You are presenting to them the way life was intended to be lived. You are presenting to them the good life. You are helping them to fight to live the good life when everything around them and inside of them oftentimes is crying out to fight against it. You are arming them for battle. Paul has already taught us that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And he says, it's not by works lest any man should boast. For the unbeliever, God's standards points them to Jesus and a better life. For the believer... Knowing they are accepted by grace through faith, they are seeking to honor the Lord, not to appease Him, but to be pleasing to Him. Not so that they will be accepted, but because they've already been accepted. So you're just setting that before. believer. That's why the believer and the non-believer constantly needs to hear the gospel, gospel preached to them. It's like we need the gospel all the time. It needs to be always brought to the surface. Now, what, does, what happens when a child believes the gospel, grasps the truth of the gospel? What, what, what does it produce when you are constantly displaying this before them, helping them understand it? I think a couple of things just as we seek to do that is one of the things you see in all the Scripture is gratitude. Gratitude flows from a heart that's been shaped by the Gospel. And, and again, like, do you, oh my goodness, do I struggle with that? Yes. Why is my heart not more filled with gratitude all the time? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, Paul begins with gratitude. He begins with a, 
joy. He says, blessed be God for all the spiritual blessings He has given us. He tells us in Ephesians 1.4, God chose us. God predestined us for adoption. We find out in the Son that we have redemption. That, we, he, that the Son has obtained an inheritance for us. We find out by the Spirit that we've been sealed uh, for the day of redemption. Those things should fill our hearts with joy. So you start out, you know your child is, is a rebel by nature. You are setting before them. Uh, these are, this is life. This is the way life is to be lived. You're setting before them God's holy standards, both to drive them to Christ and to set good patterns in their life. And then thirdly, if, if they come to that place where they have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they've trusted Him, then you're saying, listen, here's what this produces. It produces gratitude. It produces a heart of thanksgiving. It produces a heart of praise. It, 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 you see that over and over and over again. Another thing it produces is reliance. It's that one who is truly uh, knows the Lord, they, they're relying on Him. You want to set before them a desire to know the Lord, to prayerfully seek understanding as He's revealed Himself, and you're to set before them the fact that they have power to do so. They are relying on God's power to do what He's called them to do. You're constantly lifting that up before them. Ephesians 1, uh, 15-23 and Ephesians 3, 14-21 Reveal that in Paul's prayers. They're relying on the Lord to give them strength to do what they have been called to do. The third thing I think just kind of really stands out to me as your child seeks to walk in the ways of the Lord is you are praying that you will set before them a courageous heart. You want to set before them a courageous heart. You want them not to be people that are constantly saying we can't. Move forward. They always are saying to themselves, there's just not enough. There's not enough grace to move forward. There's not enough strength to move forward. You do not want to say at any stage of your life to, to, to say to them that, that moving forward courageously is a bad idea. I always think about Joshua and Caleb and they're old men. And Caleb is this man, he's like, send him in to the toughest group of people. Like, go, go, so that, let, let it, send me in to the most difficult group. I'm 80 years old, I'm ready to go. You want to set before them, the Christian is, is one who is, is not only uh, filled with gratitude, they are relying on the Lord, and they are courageous in moving forward. They will not slow down. They will not stop. They're driven by courage. A courage that God has secured armor for them that they can put it on and let hell come. It will not defeat us. So there's two contexts that I think that we do this. One is in the church. The other one is our home. I think the church sets the pattern for this in our worship, in the way that we worship, in the way we're set up to worship, in our edification, meaning how we build one another up, 
in our desire to evangelize the lost, all those things, upward, inward, outward. The church seeks to set that pattern. In our homes, we encourage people to do family worship, an upward kind of thing. In informal and informal settings, you're trying to train and build them up and help them understand what it means to walk in the ways of the Lord. And you're seeking to say, hey, look at how I'm doing this. Not always doing that that well. Look to some others. Speak to them. And we're, we're trying to reach our community. You're, you're kind of pushing both of those things forward. What is the goal? What's the goal? If I were to say, what, what is the goal? I, we want our children to be instruments in the Redeemer's hands to bring light and blessing to the world. That's, that's, that's the goal. And if anything gets in the way, we want to be wise enough to tear it down. If, if we begin to think, well, what we really want for our kids is for them to have happy and whole lives in this world and for them to have lots of money and like never to have any worries or trouble and it, for it to just be easy and they just kind of kick back and do nothing. Like, we need to tear that down. We, one of my favorite hymns as a child was Onward Christian Soldiers Marching As to War With the Cross of Jesus Going On Before. The goal is a discipled warrior that will be an instrument in the Redeemer's hands to bring blessing to the world. That's the goal. And whenever we get our focus off, and you may have it off right now because I've said something you don't agree with, it doesn't matter to me. The goal is for you to say, we as a church want discipled warriors. We want people with courage that, that look up to God, that gather with the saints, and that go out and say, we will move forward. We are not going to take the safe route. We are not going to say, let's calculate the risk our whole lives and live the most safe life and be kept away from any trouble. We are saying you are to be a courageous follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you are to seek to advance His kingdom and you are to be a blessing wherever you go. You are to set before people life. You are to present to them life. And then you're to long for his return. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful. That it is sharper than a two-edged sword. That it can pierce down and do work in us that we could not even know needed to be done. We pray that as we seek to train the next generation, regardless of whether we have children at this moment in our home. As we seek to train the next generation together as a church. That we would set before them an example that could be followed. In Christ's name. Amen.